You are now tuning in to Empower 610, where we power minds one episode at a time. One of our missions here is empowering the creatives and power the community. By empowering the creatives and empowering the community, our whole goal is to empower the culture. What is up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Empower 610, where we power minds one episode at a time. We are back to back with these nice for sure. It feels good to be back. Back to back gems, straight out of the winter. Back to back, like Drake diss track. Oh, yeah. <laughs> some light. Some light, some light. And so today we have two special guests, and these special guests come bearing gifts, come bearing gems. Gifts, gems, all the above. And we just here to show some love, you know? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So we're going to be getting into the topic of the music business that we've been talking about lightly, but we're going to actually talk about the business, business side of things. So, Nice, would you give the intro to our guest today? You know, we're all creatives here, but we also have the amazing and talented Jonathan Padilla that's on here. And he has such an amazing voice, and he's a creative, and he's working on some projects that he's going to get into. But then also, we have this amazing entertainment attorney who's also a published author and also, you know, a creative talent as well. So That's if you guys cool. could do us a favor and introduce yourselves, because y'all, I, I don't do y'all enough justice. All right, what's up, everybody? My name is Jonathan. I go by Jay Padilla. Um, I'm uh, I'm 27. I'm from Bethlehem, <laughs> Pennsylvania. Well, Lehigh Valley, basically. Allentown, Bethlehem, between both. Um, I am a singer, songwriter, producer, recording artist, pretty much. And he got the super fresh, crispy Air Force Ones on. Oh, yeah. Hey. One thing I'm going to do is be on some kicks. Shout out to my mother. She bought me them for Christmas. Dang. <laughs> shout out to Mom Dukes. Woo! Yes, Mama Dukes. Let's get it. Right. But yeah, I mean, I don't I don't really have much about me. He's being humble. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, you know. <laughs> I, I sing. And if y'all like my voice, then follow me. <laughs> Gang. Go ahead, Tuck. There you go. Hey, hey everybody. Uh, I'm Brian Tuck. I'm uh, an attorney for... God knows how long. 24 years now. Sheesh. Yeah. Um, but I uh, have a business talk, business and entertainment law. Um, split my time between uh, Chester County and I have a location in Bethlehem mm. also. And um, glad to be here. It's good to see you all again. It's been all a right. little, been a minute or two. Yeah, for sure, for sure. So what are we getting into first? So first things first is something that both of you have in common. And the reason why we invited both of you on the podcast to be in the same episode is the fact of you guys have similar experiences when it comes to being a creative and knowing about the power of owning your art. Because what a lot of creatives think is just because they created something that they actually own it. And in this world, in this day and age with the music industry, some creatives have that misinterpretation and then it's someone else owning the art. And sometimes the listeners and the audience think that the money's going directly to the creative. And we yeah. know now <laughs> but that's not always the case. Nope. So first things first, I want to start with Padilla. Um, Cause I know that you had your personal experiences. If you could share as an indie artist from when you started, what were some of the experiences that you had when it comes came to learning about, whether it be owning your masters, copyright, and things on those sides. Okay, so to start off, first off, I feel like everybody's 
main goal is to get signed um, before like you learn about anything about being independent or anything like that. So first off, if you're trying to get signed, definitely, you know, do that because at the end of the day, everybody wants to get signed. But like, if you don't know what you're doing, don't sign any. Just don't sign anything because that's where I messed up. That's where I fucked up. I um. Was I basically just signed the first contract that I got offered? It was mm. through a management company. I was stuck on a management company basically for three years. That um, they basically promised me stuff that never happened. They made me sign this contract. I I looked over it, but I never got a lawyer. And I should have listened to my mother who told me not to sign it. But mm. hey, it was I was eager. It was when I first dropped my broken song. You know what I mean? So oh. I was like popping kind of in the in the valley and right. it was just so many people coming at me with different offers and stuff and I'm just like hey like okay like this is it this is the, this is my moment you know what I mean yeah so that's definitely something I, but then again I was stuck on it for three years I couldn't release basically anything I couldn't work with people without them wanting to oh, know wow. who it was or like approving it but thank god I'm out of that that was in like 2017 2015 around there so yeah and it's funny because what you said, like you went once that one song like really hit, and that's how I heard of you. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of artists are waiting for that moment. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they some artists never experience it, but some artists do experience it, like yourself. And once you have that moment, it's a matter of now how do you react to all of this attention, all of yeah, these I offers had no that you no idea what I was doing. I had yeah. no help. I had you know what I mean. It was just me overnight, just. So many people hitting me up at one time. I'm just like, what the fuck do I do? Yeah. Right. That, and, that, and that's overwhelming. I'm glad, yeah. you, you know, you're willing to talk about that experience and share because I think that's the thing a lot of artists don't talk about or think about enough where it's like some people are so used to like putting music out into the void and they get a certain amount of views and they're on yep. to the next song mm-hmm. that what are you going to do when success comes? And then what type of discernment are you going to show? And, you know, I, I feel like there's a lot of... Uh, you know, case studies that, you know, that exist, but regardless of sometimes even what you know, you can't take into account for how that feels. Of course. Once you finally get it, you know, and you're in your creative bag, so you're like, wait, this is what I was waiting for. Mm -hmm. And then it's hard to tell, like, well, no, maybe it's really not. You know what I mean? So now it makes you look at everything a whole lot Literally, I'm scared to sign anything. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I I think the, um, one of the most important things, here's a gem. I'm just going to headline this right now. Let's go. All right. So, in the, my background, I closed a lot of deals for banks and commercial real estate developers mm. and moved a lot of money around uh, the Valley and, and elsewhere. And every good negotiator I've ever been around, business people I'm talking about now, um, they never go to the table to sign this, you know, the closing table, as it mm. were. They never go to the table unless they're willing to walk away. Yep. If you go into a meeting feeling compelled, like, oh my God, I need this. I got to do this. I got to do this. If stop, stop yep. what you're doing and, mm-hmm. and get somebody who can help, um, talk it, talk it through with you, you know? Yeah. So if you like, again, if you feel like you have to do something more often than not, something bad is going to happen after that deal gets signed. Mm-hmm. I have right. a feeling so. And it's funny because me and Nice both have experience in sales. And one of the well, the things that we know just from being in experience in sales is that we know that your first offer when it comes to sales is not always the best offer. And that's why a lot of the times when negotiating, sometimes the best thing to say in the, in the beginning is no. Mm-hmm. Because that will force the other person to do a counter objection and then yeah, figure yeah. out where you can meet in the middle. And so I think it's super also important 
the fact that when a moment like that happens, whether it's um, whether it's the views, whether it's the money, mm-hmm. it's important to know who you have by your side. Yeah. So, Tuck, with your experience, I'm sure you heard a lot of stories just like Padilla's. Mm-hmm. And let us know what an entertainment attorney does because many of our viewers are music artists, are independent, and they might not know the importance of it, especially having them by your side once yeah, they have to sign the line and everything's black and white. Sure. Well, the, the most important thing that I do for other people, I think, is I'm with them on their journey, wherever, you know, mm-hmm. whether they're just starting out, whether they're already established or whether they're in the like maturity of their career. Um, you always have licensing deals coming your way. You always have mm-hmm. uh, commercial opportunities every one of those things that you see or every product that you purchase that has somebody's face on it. Um, there's a contract that documents that deal. And, you know, you'd be, you'd be surprised. Uh, people sign things and just don't read them. And that happens. It happens to everybody. I'm not throwing darts at anyone. Yeah. (laughs) Um, it happens to younger people. It happens to older people. Yep. And, um, or more seasoned people. I hate that term, but you know, Um, (laughs) but you having another set of eyes on your contracts and bringing up things that you might not have thought of. Cause whenever you're, you know, let's say you've just finished uh, three or four tracks and you're, you're, you're in a tunnel with that work. Okay. It's just been mixed. It's just been mastered. You're, you're eager to get this out mm-hmm. into the world. Okay. So let's say right then you've produced it all yourself and somebody wants to come along and distribute that for you, which in this day and age is kind of ridiculous because you can do that all yourself. <laughs> uh, yep. yep. But uh, there are, there are people who will convince you that they're still, you know, gatekeepers are, are, are more important than they actually are. Facts. And um, having another set of eyes on, your agreement will, will help you. And that could be, and, and really it's not specific to the entertainment industry. I mean, that's mm-hmm. whether you're buying a house, you're, you're signing a commercial lease, yep. um, you know, any, anything you're putting your, your name on pen on paper. Yep. Yep. And, and it sucks. Cause we're in such a microwave society yeah. and to your point in so many things, we're always in this constant rush, but it's like, well, we can press pause. We can take time to take time to do things the right way. But sometimes, you know, you could be working so hard at something and you're just like craving it so bad. Mm-hmm. But I always say when you're in a rush, you're blind. You know, yep. think yep. about driving. You're driving too fast on a road that's 25 miles an hour. You're more likely to run a red light and then mm-hmm. consequences yep. could be fatal. And and also just to close or to add to that, um, if you are in a negotiation with somebody and you pause and they start pushing you like crazy, that's a red, <laughs> that's a red flag. Big red flag. Because if they really want a relate a commercial relationship with you 10 years from now, 15, 20 years from now, they're not going to chase the sale just yep. to get the first thing done. They're going to, you know, you would want somebody with you 10 years or right. If they're have your best interests, Right at heart, but uh, if you get a lot of pushback, be be wary. Yeah, you know what? To to your point, and this is semi off topic, but I just had a mortgage company pulled out with me. Yep, mind you, I went into it just kind of looking through this website thing. I filled out a form, 
they called me and texted me within minutes. So I'm like, okay, you're a little beastie. This wasn't what I'm looking for. But because I have a background in sales, I was like, you know what? Let me just entertain this call. Teach him a lesson. Because I'm like, y'all got to relax. So I told him exactly what my intentions were, what my timeline was. I was just yep. seeking information. So me as being a, someone who worked in sales for a big part of my life, this person ignored everything I said. And he literally tried to rebuke my, uh, re- rebuke my, my objection and then rolled right into it. And I started laughing. And he's like, what's so funny? I said, you know, you guys are trained so well that you feel like you answered my objection. I said, I worked in sales a big part of my life. I already communicated to you what my timeline was, and it was not right now. Yep. I said, I'm an adult. I have your information already. I will gladly contact you. But then he like tried to answer, well, if and then rolled right again. I said, I don't know if you didn't hear me, but you've just like reduced your chances of having a sales opportunity with me by 50%. Yeah. All because you're pushing the beast button. I know you're trained for that. I said, but I worked in sales a really long time, so I get it. And he tried it again. I said, oh, well, you know what? I already got your information. If I want to change my mind in the timeline that I gave you, I'll call you back. But I probably won't. <laughs> Plain and yeah. simple. Yeah. Do you know what, like, the sad truth is? What I feel like when it comes to, like, stuff like that with contracts and everything, I feel like people, it's never really in your interest at the end of the day. People are always going to try to make something off you. They're always trying to find the next buck. They're always trying to find yeah. the next big move. Or, like, they're always yeah. trying to jump on something that's going to make them the most money. And that's the sad truth when it comes to, like, these contracts and stuff because they don't care about your mental health. They don't care about, you know what I mean, yeah. what you're going through. They just want that money. Yeah, and what I always say to people is, like, good business is when everybody wins. So mm-hmm. when I worked in advertising, you know, my sales reps that worked around me and my boss, they used to think I was crazy because I would present proposals and they would kind of buck at them. And I'm like, listen, I'm going to be totally honest with you. I really don't care if you buy or not. I know this sounds crazy. You're not used to hearing this, but... I know how thorough I am about what's going to work for your business. And I worked with nothing but small, medium-sized businesses. I said, Mm -hmm. so I really don't care if you choose to go with me or not or choose one of these packages. Based on what you told me your needs were, here's some options. And if you want, you can go to another company and that's fine. But I know how those sales reps work and I'm not bad-mouthing nobody. But you can feel free to go entertain them. And if you want to come back, you come back. If not, it's no big deal to me. I promise you I have people waiting in line to deal with me. Yep. So it's, it's all good. So... People around me like, yo, you're crazy. I said, no, I'm just authentic. Like, yeah. I know the information of what's going to work because, you know, I got used to certain areas that I'm like, nah, this will work for this type of business based on what their needs are. And I never really tried to, like, oversell it. I want yeah. to sell them things that are going to work, you know, under promise, over deliver. And my clients, they love me for that because I'm like, I'm not here to sugarcoat nothing, man. But That's it's going to work saying, for all yeah. of us. I used to work at a job that I used to do it like that. Like, you know, just be honest and be upfront. Yeah. Like, you're not going to want this internet slow as hell. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I I was, and I was top seller, you know what I mean? Because I was honest and I was genuine. And I'm like, you know, this is what you're going to need. That You have to find what they need in order to sell them something. You're not going to try to sell somebody something if they don't need it. Like, yep. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. You you don't want to stream that 4K. You're not gonna right. stream that with you this. Don't, you don't with want this internet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you ain't gonna play three Xboxes with 100 megabits per second. I'm sorry. You're yeah. not gonna stream in Power Six One with the lowest package. I, I was waiting for that shameless plug. I was waiting for the the SpongeBob shameless plug. I'm done. But bringing it bringing it back to what we were talking about. So what when it comes to, um, you know. A lot of the times also the terms in the paperwork, right? We we hear a lot, especially in hip hop, of artists bragging about, you know, I own my masters. You know, big one, Jay-Z, um, owning his masters. So 
but for so artists starting out, um, Tuck, can you explain to us what that even means? What does that even sure. look like? Owning your masters and why why is it important of not selling that copyright to the recordings? Yep. Okay. So here's here's the uh, the quick tour. You write a song. Okay, you have a you have a musical composition, right? There's a structure to it. Intro, verse one, chorus one, there, you know, mm-hmm. the whole bit. That is known in the legal world as the composition. Okay, mm. that's that's one thing. The song has now been put into a digital form, right? And now we're gonna take that digital form, that's called a sound recording. That is going to be reproduced. We're gonna make you know, whatever we're going to make, USB drives, CDs, vinyl, the whole bit. Those are two separate things. Now, the songwriter almost always retains rights over the composition. Mm. I have an example that's going to make everybody's eyes roll, but <laughs> I have to do it. So let's say we've written the song. We don't have the money to hire a band and mm. whatever, you know, an orchestra, like whatever it is that you need to to bring this thing to reality. Right. That's where the record company comes in. Mm. And they say, okay, we're going to give you a budget of $25,000. And we're going to give you somebody to help you manage that. You know, you're going to budget out what the musicians are, how, how much the engineer is going to get paid, uh, rental on instruments, uh, studio engineers fees, all that stuff. And the, the think of the record label, like it's a bank. Facts. All right. <laughs> They're advancing the money. They're going to want it back plus. Plus, yep. So as a result of those types of deals, uh, the the company, the record company, owns the recording. They don't own the song. They own the recording, though. Okay, so stay with me here. The master recordings are what are used to create another 10,000 units, yep. another, another pressing of the record. The masters are almost always owned by the record company unless you negotiate that in your deal, right? So ownership of the masters is really important because that is a a point of, you know, it's a fulcrum. It's a point of leverage that Mm -hmm. you can use if the record starts selling really well. And the, and the company comes back to you and goes, hey, we want to do another 150,000 units. All right, well, now I, my royalty is going to go up mm. for me to give you permission to copy mm. it again 150,000 times. Mm. That's fire. So you just got to know what to look for. I never thought of it that way. That's crazy. Like yeah, you're yeah. really selling <laughs> so many copies of your music and it's yep. just like. <clears throat> you're wow. duplicating it. Yeah, I didn't think of it like that. I just thought of it like it was a download. So here's <laughs> the Taylor Swift story real quickly is here's how you get around not owning the masters. And this was a brilliant, uh, a brilliant and expensive, very expensive strategy, but it paid off. So she records six records. The masters of those first six albums get sold to Universal Music Group. Now she got paid a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Right, like a hundred, a couple hundred million dollars, as I recall. Yeah. <laughs> However, the masters were now owned by Universal Music Group. So, if anyone wants to do anything with any of those songs, commercials, film mm-hmm. placement, um, you name it, Universal is now the gatekeeper. Mm. So, she at some point she wanted. This is the part of the story I think is a little bit 
odd. <laughs> you know, you've sold the asset. You've gotten value back, mm -hmm. a lot of value. You don't have a, any kind of moral right. We'll talk about moral rights in a second. It's a totally different animal. There's no moral right that the creator has that they're entitled to buy the thing back. Unless there was some reversion clause in the in the purchase agreement mm -hmm. that said, all right, I'm going to sell you the masters for $100. But paragraph 17 says I can buy them back for $125 mm -hmm. if I want to in the next 10 years. So what they decided to do, since the songwriter owns the songs, she just hired a band, mm -hmm. hired a studio, and re-recorded those first six records, which is a, a massive undertaking. And I think, you know, you can look back to other bands that have done that. And so she remastered the whole thing. Yeah. Whole Redid the whole thing. Redid she, did she own still the rights to the lyrics? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. She's a songwriter. She wrote yeah. her own. Yeah. So, so music and lyrics, so they just own the recording. They didn't own the lyrics. Correct. Yeah. Gotcha. So that's, that's, yeah. that's where that comes. It, it helped her because <clears throat> like to Tuck's point, she was publicly speaking out about this and it was like her versus Scooter Braun and UMG and what mm -hmm. and what those contracts were like. So she wanted to buy those assets back and they were just like, yeah, nah, you already sold them to us. Yeah, so like she knows she could do that. But the thing for how it worked is because she has such a massive following. Yeah. They had a really crazy rollout for how they rolled out those projects that it ended up actually blowing up her brand even more because... People treated her like the hero for artists and then all the others as like the villains. And she had that beef with Spotify. Mm -hmm. So it helped to create her more of this like hero versus the villains, which ended up working in her favor. So people now go out and stream those six projects more than the older ones. Yeah, she got the she got a big fan base. They'd do anything for her. They call them the Swifties, right? The Swifties. Yeah. <laughs> let us yeah. let us know if you think. If Nice Jones is a Swifty or not. Bro, you, in the comments. Tell me you don't know Blank Space. <laughs> What's that? What? Unless she's giving me you a feature, it. I don't so listen to that. Be forever. <laughs> oh, gonna go down oh man, that's, that's definitely his, his bop. <laughs> Notice how I didn't bop at all. I'm crying. In fact, I don't even watch football, and I watched Ravens versus the Chiefs, and... I was like, you know what? I want Lamar Jackson to win. And now I finally see what everyone's been talking about on Twitter where yeah. they're showing Taylor Swift way too much because I was like, bro, why you keep showing me this chick? I'm not here for this. I'm here to watch the game. It was annoying. Because they're going to get headlines. That's why. Honestly, I watched her documentary and it was great. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I did. Yeah, I I like watching a lot of artist documentaries. Me, like I, me too. I literally watched. I watched uh, J Lo's for the Super Bowl. It was it was pretty good. Watch Hitsville. I talk about it all the time. Who's Please that? watch Hitsville. I'm glad you asked. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Hitsville is a documentary about um, Motown and how Motown got oh, started. Oh, I love Motown, yeah. Motown shifted the entire landscape of uh, of of music and how they created music. Yeah. So I, I love their blue. <clears throat> I remember you nah, showing me that. I definitely need to watch that one. Bro, nonstop. I just watched it again the other night. Like, I swear I've watched this documentary like seven times. It's nice. So, quick question to uh, Jones. Tuck. Normally, is that is that a practice that artists can take or is that kind of frowned upon in the industry? Well, it's, it's all about leverage, you know, mm. and if, if, you know, if, if you can produce the thing yourself and, and get a good and get a result that you're proud of, mm. then produce it yourself. Mm -hmm. It's not that expensive. Yeah. Right. I mean, you could, with a budget of, 
you know, the reason some of these records cost, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to produce is because you have 20 people sitting around. Yeah. Everybody's on the clock. Yeah. And um, there's a lot of hands in the, there, there are just a lot of hands. There's a lot of cooks in the kitchen. Right. Yep. Exactly. Facts. And I think very few, very few, you know, transcendent things are, are created by a committee. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, yep. like Dark Side of the Moon. Classic. Was not written by 60 people. It was probably <laughs> yeah. like three dudes. Uh, probably the two, you know, it was probably Waters and uh, Gilmore and the other guys just hung out and played played on the played on the uh played on the tracks Got into their bag yeah it's crazy now like i i be seeing because now you can see on like who writes the songs and like apple music like in the bottom and well, stuff they finally added credits bruh it'd be the wackest song in history the same <laughs> the, the same three bars bro and it have like 15 writers on that shit i'm like what well, well that's the crazy thing because you'll have so many writers because it could be like the writers who were like actually actively working on that and they may have contributed a word, two lines, whatever. But then if they sampled that from another song or interpolated on that song, mm, yep, those true. writers have to be credited too because 100%. it's their yeah, song. Yeah. So no, you'll see that with this long list. Because I, I I like what you said because mm. I was a credits nerd as a kid. So anytime yeah. new albums drop, she I was the, the kid that bought the album at the CD store, popping the CD and I'm sitting there... Right reading through it like I know these people but then I started to notice patterns because I'm mm. really pattern driven so I love it and um I like to stream on title because I'm a music snob yeah the audio quality is different but really? ever since I, never... I had it I always love that they always had credits whereas like Apple and Spotify just started adding credits like in recent years you so. know us as artists are on a bunch of these platforms that we don't even never use like who uses Deezer <laughs> <laughs> Word. <laughs> What's a Deezer? What is Deezer? The only Deezer we acknowledge is these nuts. <laughs> I'm dead. Please but don't I, cancel us, Deezer. <laughs> yeah, Deezer. I wish y'all. I wish. I wish y'all would. I'm gonna just say that. I, I ain't scared of y'all. Mm. But um, I got a question for Tuck. Um, and it's just a random question that came to my head because sure. I'm just random like that. But you know, you talked about you know different types of deals. And deal flow with with artists and you know reconstructing songs and whatnot. Um, my question for you is: Is that something that you help your clients with? As far as like, do you know about like funding sources or mechanisms that may exist, mm -hmm. or do you know have other like clients that you can say, you know what, there's this client or this label that's looking for something? Do you have any experience with anything like that? I'm just curious. Yeah, I mean, part of again, part of the of the job as the you know companion on the you know, creative journey is to help maybe make connections that, you know, that the, the, let's say it's a young songwriter that's, you mm -hmm. know, 20 years old or 19 years old that, um, is just starting out. Yeah. That's somebody that's likely going to sign a bad deal. Right. Not because they're not smart, just because it's first time around the block, you might yep. get into something. So yeah, we're young, dumb and broke. <laughs> we like that facts. Um, so you know, part of it is, you know, part of it is that, and I think that you need one big. Um, there's, there's, I've been meaning to get to this. In any uh, market, okay, let's just talk about markets in general, whether it's the stock market mm -hmm. or real estate or or what have you. Um. The, the disparity in information that people have determines on how well they're going to end up doing. Mm. So if I know 
that X producer, their fee normally is, I don't know, $3,000 per song, let's just say. Mm. Let's just call it 3,000 and 1%, right? If somebody comes to me with a, with a production deal and the fee is $7,000 a song and two points, I'm going to go, well, hold on a second. Like, <laughs> here's what this other guy got. This is really the price. So right. if, if you're not aware of what, mm. uh, if you're not aware of what the pricing is in a market, that's when you get taken for a ride. And, and again, that's stock market, real yep. estate, any, Back. any, anything. Yeah. So Tuck, like, where can we find this information of like all it, like the pricing that it's supposed to be and stuff like that? You know what well, I mean? Well, it would be great if there was some yeah, clearinghouse. Like knowledge you know? base system. <laughs> but you, you yeah. have to, re- you get with somebody that's, get with somebody that's experienced that's been around the block you know i i if i'm 20 you know i want my attorney to i want my professional advisors Mm -hmm. to have been in the thing for a long time facts that's that's the hack it's not an age it's not an age thing Mm -hmm. it's an experience thing yeah that experience is such a hack and that's the like the beauty and the struggle of the internet right because a lot of times you know i i constantly feel like people aren't researching enough and they're just Mm -hmm. going off the cuff right but you don't know what you don't know, right? Right. But you have to be informed. You have to be educated. And mind you, I work at a, I've worked in colleges for the last twelve years. I'm a firm believer of knowledge is just not in the classroom. You got to be seeking it out. Mm-hmm. So if you're going into something you don't know about, you should be seeking it out. Whether it's in formal books, mm-hmm. internet, using AI, things like that. So I feel like that's that's the number one thing is like seeking out information and seeking out experts and even like, you know, mentors. Um, why I was interested in that question was I feel like that's something artists struggle with a lot. Mm-hmm. Where I'm always saying, like, especially back in the day when I was publishing my magazine and, and, I, and I was doing some consulting, my number one thing with them, stop looking at yourself as just a music artist. Start looking at yourself as a business. Entrepreneur. You are a business. Yep. yep. So the moment you look at yourself as, hey, I'm Nice Jones, but I'm also Nice Jones the business. Mm-hmm. I have to separate them. Yeah. What am I doing in this creative act? What am I doing on this business act, right? And I can go create something, but now at some point, once I create the product, the business guy got to step in and figure out, all right, how can I take this and chop it up seven ways and get paid from all yeah. of them? You Thanks. know what I mean? And so I feel like artists struggle with that and they feel, you know, magical thinking, right? I created this thing and I feel like it's great. So I put it out. Someone's just going to discover it. Not realizing that, you know, you just throw a bottle in the ocean. Yeah. And just to add on to that, because I think that's a perfect transition. Uh, Padilla, you yeah. as an artist, as an indie artist, what are some of the stuff that you personally struggle with? Not necessarily on the creative side, because we already talk about that a lot, mm-hmm. but like kind of switching that mode from being creative to business. I guess with business-wise, it's more of like you not knowing where to go, where to start, where to, you know what I mean? So like... Basically, just promoting yourself, that's something that I've always struggled with. I don't know who to do. I don't know what to, you know what I mean? Like, there's always, you can always buy promotion, you know what I mean? But, like, mm-hmm. literally, does that ever really do anything but show that you got views and nobody ever just, right? you know what I mean? It's just uh, it's just for show at this point. So, mm-hmm. that's something I've always struggled with as an artist. Um, <clears throat> just making it out of my city, basically. Like, um, I, I feel like as artists, we're stuck in one spot sometimes. Um, people, I feel like people in your area... Not me personally, because I feel like I got a lot of support in my area, but like artists out here, they don't support, you know what I mean? Um, that's something people supporting, just stuff like that, basically. 
It's um, a good one that my post just I continue to get notifications about this. Yeah. <laughs> this whole support thing. A, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, Cause I'm like, I'm like, you know, I hear people saying somebody posted uh I forget what the young woman's name was. I, I would give her a shout out because I, I like that it got a lot of attention, right? Yeah. Yeah. It said um people in the Lehigh Valley have talent, but the Lehigh Valley lacks like supporting people. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. You know, I see that it resonated with a lot of people, and I I, I get how people arrive there. But for me, it was like mm-hmm. I was too busy focusing on who and what supports me of to course. notice who's not supporting me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I create from the soul. Even this platform is just mm-hmm. from the soul. Mm-hmm. The stuff I do with my students is from the soul. If I design something, it's from the soul. I'm gonna put it out there. Whoever it's gonna fly with, it's gonna fly with. And if it don't, it oh, don't. God. Yeah. And I don't care. <laughs> it's sincere all the time. Me as an artist, one thing that I, I came to a conclusion with is that no one's going to care about your art more than you do. Oh, God. You have to do it for yourself. You can't do it for, you know, fame and this and that. If you yep. if yep. you don't fuck with your own music, then how is someone else going to, you know what I mean? It's all yeah. contagious. You can't do it for the, the them. You have to make music because you love it and you want to do it for you and it makes you feel the type of way. Yep. Not because mm-hmm. you think it's going to make someone else feel the type of way. That's, I fuck with me heavy. Yeah, yeah. I fuck with, I, that's what I learned this year, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I was always one of those down in the press people in a room just making music and just hoping something would happen. And then now I'm just, you know, I, I love myself, you know, I... I came out last year as bisexual and stuff like that. So, like, I'm finding myself. I I cut all my hair off. You know what I mean? Because I felt like balding was one of the things that really was um, an insecurity of mine. Like, and, and, and a lot of men, too. So, that's something, too. Yeah, you also grew that beard, bro. Yeah, <laughs> I knew I was. Yeah, I, I knew he was crazy. gonna have to bring that up. Like nah, you know he was crazy. waiting for his chance to talk about so me, beard. That's yeah. crazy. Me and Lewis go way back. Like Lewis, <laughs> Lewis is is one of my bros. You know, from from back in 2014, 2015, yeah. we did a lot of things together, music together. You know, that's one of my my dogs. You know, I appreciate him forever for everything he's ever done for me. Um, what? But yeah, one thing he's told me was to always grow a beard because I look like a. I don't even know what I look. Like. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Without a beard, you don't want to see me without a beard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He had a he had little a baby. baby. Yeah, he, he had, had a little. A, he, he had a baby face and a time. fucking comb over. That was the ugliest shit I ever seen in my life. Yeah, he, <laughs> he, had, he, had, he had a Talk baby about, face. He was like, "Yo, I'm really trying to get my artist image yeah, out, like, but I don't know how to go about it." Bro, like, bro because I was just so insecure. Like I just, yeah. you know, and I I got out of that. Thank God, you know. I yeah. I, I love me. I love my life. That's I love real, you know. I love what I'm gonna make, and I I look forward to the future instead of just being down all the time and. It's not, it's not worth it. You know what I mean? When you no. embrace that, it hits different. And Embracing the yourself. Off. And yeah. you know what? I'm glad you brought up like the image side of it because yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's like this part of uh, the creation process, especially with music, it's just not talked about enough that like your image is a thing, right? But it's not yeah. to the point where you're so self-conscious that mm-hmm. you're second-guessing it because everyone feels your ability to second-guess yourself. Like your confidence shows yeah, whether good, bad, or indifferent. It's but if you actually... in your head. It is. So there's nothing wrong with like one, identifying what you want to do, but also maybe talking to somebody that you identify with, like, they're really good with fashion or they're really good with image. Let me mm-hmm. just ask them, yeah. hey, if you were me, what do you think I would do? What would you recommend? Yeah, yeah. And I feel right. like artists, like, you know, independently, that's something they don't think about is, mm-hmm. like, image consultation or, like, you know, mm-hmm. having friends that'll be honest with you because I don't mind roasting my friends. I've had friends oh, that were cut. in the modeling. They're like, what do you think of these pics? And I'm like, yo, I'm going to be honest with you. My cousin, told me I look like, my cousin told me I look like a Higley Town hero, if you know what that is. <laughs> 
or Humpty Dumpty. Yo, they they just be yeah. cutting on me, <laughs> bro. They just be cutting on me, and I, you know what I mean? It's whatever. I cut back. Nah, exactly. <laughs> I love the joke. I love jokes. Dude. Nah, but I knew I knew Padilla for a while. His drip game definitely like he upped his level every every oh, yeah. time. Every year, every year, he had new drip, new drip, new drip. Facts, facts. It's yeah, boring, but you feel more. You feel way more confidence, and that's the thing yeah, is like honestly. when you dress confident, you feel confident. That yeah. confidence comes through the speakers. It comes mm. through how you deliver. If you got to go speak somewhere, yeah. it shows up. Every single place, and yeah. even in like I always say, we're always selling, even when we're not selling. Facts. And honestly, to you. it's just your mind over matter. To be honest, yeah. like your mind is the is gonna be your biggest enemy. See? Look at that. And you not being able to control your mind is yep. is something that like, I feel like mental health is a big thing. I always Sponsored say uh, better health. No, I'm just kidding. But no, um, we really are. <laughs> I always say trust trust mom, right? Which mind over matter, and your yeah. mom bought you those kicks. So. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nah. Facts. Nah. My mom's my life, bro. <laughs> mind over matter, and trust your mom. Facts. So what other uh, like bringing it back to the business side of things? Mm-hmm. So what other uh, kind of stuff have you have you faced as well as an artist? Because there's several things that you know you got to wear many hats because yeah. you're basically like the entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not having enough like a, a big of a network, right? The, mm-hmm. you, you talked about the promotion as well aspect of it. What else in the um, business side of things? Uh, how honestly, do you, how do you go about getting shows? That's that's another thing. You need management. You need somebody to help you get these shows and manage. You know, and st- set up a schedule. Because if I'm producing, songwriting, doing all this and doing all that, I'm not saying it's not possible, but it would be helpful if someone would like right, help sure. me get shows and help me do this and help me do that. It's just literally it's financial issues now with artists all over. I think everybody's right. just struggling financially, and it's just it's harder to release everything and to make all these moves and stuff if you don't got the bread for it. So. Right. Yeah, that's facts. And, you know, that's part of the reason why I talk about that question with the finance. That's why people get stuck in these contracts because they don't got the bread for it. They don't got the bread and they can't get themselves out. So, you know, I want to start a label or I want to, you know, put out my own project. So it's Mm -hmm. like, all right, well, maybe I feel like I have this amazing product. How do I get funding to support this mission? You know what I'm saying? (laughs) So, and you say Shark Tank, you know, it makes me wonder, like, has anybody approached it, Shark Mm -hmm. Tank, from a label yeah, perspective for Whoa. doing something like creative, right? And so I'd love to do that because, That'll you know, be cool. although I'm not always into like the creation of music, I feel like my ear is pretty He's solid, capping. and He's I know how hard. things should look. He's mm-hmm. capping. I'm not capping. I I seen a podcast where you said they Yo, said I used to rap. Yeah, he did. I, I used to rap. Who said oh. that? Um, bro, search, the, his name, search his name. Don't right do that. <laughs> no, it was the guy that um, AI be wilding that played the guitar for Nyla. Yeah. Oh yeah, Tug. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bro, that's yeah. my guy. Shout out to him. We're, we're gonna link that. He he be capping. No, bro, I'm, I'm listening no, to nice Jones. I'm gonna dro- drop an album this year on my own label, but I'm trying to find some funding. So Tuck, you got somebody who got me. Well, here's. Are you gonna be on my album? I got you with a feature. Let me know. Look at that. I'm stacking up features, producers, videographers, <laughs> attorney. Where the money at? <laughs> Well, Ski mask show, do you got us? Thanks. They left. You know what's funny? I just drank nothing on the pod. <laughs> Big cap. <laughs> so, so to your point about where's the money, um, there's a couple of concepts I wanted to bring up, which was uh, I had a conversation with a drummer mm-hmm. who, who's drum famous, but not like nobody on the street would know who. Like he's an industry, is. known in the industry. Right. Yeah. Yep. And uh, he lives in a nice ish apartment in brooklyn Mm, yeah and uh he travels all he plays in europe plays in the u.s plays in Canada, like travels all over and does his thing and he said to he said to me something i it stuck with me to this day he goes i don't need a million fans 
Facts. I need 100,000 worldwide. If I have 100,000 people that will do something for me every year, whether it's a CD, like 10 bucks for a CD or yeah. $25 concert ticket. That's money. That's a million if, a year. If, if you have 100,000 or like 10,000 people, like let's say you had an audience of, or uh, in your, you know, in your tribe, in your group, whatever you want to call it. Yep. You know, let's let's bring it down to a manageable number. Let's get a thousand people. You could you could easily crowdsource mm-hmm. a budget for a fairly expensive record mm-hmm. that you have time to work on and bring other people in and pay everybody, and you come out of it owning the thing. Yeah, yeah. That's and the then key. and then you give. Um, you know, you give some benefits to, you know, you give me a hundred bucks, you get a signed copy. You give me a thousand bucks. I'll give mm-hmm. you, I'll put you in the liner notes and we'll do a zoom and we'll give you a preview of the stuff before it comes out. Yeah. Like there's a, uh, there's a rock band, uh, out of Chicago, uh, that is really good at this. Uh, district 97 is their name. Nice. You know, and, and when they go to do a new record, they raised, you know, twenty five, thirty thousand dollars because they've toured enough mm-hmm. to get that number of people, whatever it is. It's different for everybody. But if you could and it's really like in any like if you go to a service business, whether it's accounting or real estate or or what I do, once you reach your number, mm-hmm. you're self-sustaining and yeah. you can do business with people or not do business with people at will. It's incredible. Yep. You know, and we're not, um, you know, like my wife and I, we're not jetting off to Paris every spring or anything like that, but uh, I don't have to work with anybody. I don't want to work with. And that's a different type of different type of freedom. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm always telling, uh, you know, entrepreneurs and uh, musicians, whoever that I work with, you could do a lot by just, you know, people are so focused on, I need to go platinum. I need this huge fan base. Like, you can do a lot with your first 10, your first 50, your first 100. You know, once sure. you create a tribe, which is one of my favorite books, Tribes by Seth Godin, mm-hmm. creating a tribe, you have disciples for life. Mm-hmm. And then I'm always asking people because it's always a fun thing. I'm like, well, what's the most strongest form of advertising? And some people will be quick to be like social media. I'm like, no, 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 no. Word of mouth. Yep. Start with word of mouth. Yep. Social media can Absolutely. be word of mouth on steroids, but if you're if you're only selling, people will tune you out. If you're building authentic connections, people will be tuned in and they're more likely to sell, like I said, mm-hmm. when you're not selling. And, you know, I feel like I had a lot of proof of concept with that <clears throat> last year because I personally, I wasn't doing much creative-wise. I was working and doing certain things on the side and consulting people on the side. But then getting involved with... uh you know, we started Empower 610. Yeah. I started an amazing brand with my lady, Nice and Bright, and did events with both, did merchandise with both, sold stuff. I don't care who supports. You're either going to support or you don't. Mm-hmm. It's pretty simple, right? Yeah. But Absolutely. it's like you can do a lot with a little. And a matter of fact, even with my photography, I don't even advertise mm-hmm. that I do photography like that. And yeah. last year, I was busiest. I'm, I was looking at my checklist. I'm like, wow, last year I did my first prom. First graduation, first with 16, first college graduation photos. Facts. That's what's up. You know what I mean? So I'm like, oh, okay, the work is there. I just don't even literally be like, oh, okay, book me for this. Like, yeah. I'm not pressed for it because I'm so busy with so many things, but I, it's enjoyable. 
Mm-hmm. So even with that, like, you know, and you, you can do so much with a little, just doing right by a little and just building. So there's a there's a YouTuber that I follow. His his name is uh, Jesse Cannon, uh, Misinformation. Does a lot of good co- uh, content about what we're talking about. And this is good. This is actually somebody that you mm. should follow as well. Who talks looking? about building What's his a name? Com- I look at my brother. Um, Jesse Cannon. So he talks about building community. And this goes back to that post, right? A lot of people, mm. um, in let's say in, in our specific town, Allentown, music artists are start recording music. They finally come out with their song. They think it's a hit. Yeah. And they think the, their community should support them, mm-hmm. right? But they mm-hmm. never built that community. Your community is nope. not Allentown. Right, right. That's your true, community yeah. is is your tribe, like you said, mm-hmm. of followers. Mm-hmm. Yep. And like what Tuck was saying is what type of value are you giving to that community besides yep. music? Because yeah. it's not your, you can't come to an entitlement of like just because I create Bingo. art. Entitlement. I Just because yeah. I create art, everyone has to support me. Because yeah. if that was the case, anybody that created any piece of art, would yeah. get support yep. and it would be a yes right. man society. Some of that art is lazy. Let's yes. call it for what it is. Like yep. mm-hmm. I can go in and just write some BS. I could record some BS, upload it and be like, you know what? These people like my post a bunch of times. They should support this. So entitlement. And it's you fun. know, it's crazy. That's the stuff that's popping right now is the people that, and, and it just makes us feel like us as real artists that really like take time and do our music and stuff. It makes us feel like shit knowing that there's people just saying para ta para ta pa on on radio. <laughs> yeah. And it's just popping and making millions of dollars and all these people are supporting it. Like what it what does music come to? You know what I mean? Like I want to bring that old school back, like and feel and, and R and B feel. But and it's funny because a lot of people talk about like the old school and the R and B feel, mm-hmm. and that still has a community in itself. True. Because there, there's a lot of still R and B artists that still have that community, mm-hmm. but many artists struggle building that community. And this is gonna be like a homework assignment for you too. Yeah. So not uh, him follow. giving out homework. <laughs> right. Yeah. This is, no. Yes, it's, sir. It's, it's, he be <laughs> stealing my jobs. That's crazy. crazy. <laughs> Damn. The disrespect. Hey, nice oh, was the God. teaser. So. <laughs> So, so the nice thing, the 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 nice thing, well, funny enough, funny enough, um, is the fact that you know, build, building that community, figuring out how you give value to that community, right? Yeah. Building up that crowdsourcing, right? So, so what what are you gonna do to package that up, mm-hmm. and how serious are you gonna be about it? Mm-hmm. Because it's not only about making a song. It's not nowadays. It's not even only about making a music video because a music video isn't enough. You have to create content and then you know, figure out all these different pieces of content and give people. A version of you. Yeah. One thing I was talking to nice about is that a lot of artists don't consider is you guys make music, right? You guys never thought about like interviewing yourselves and talk mm-hmm. about the song that you just made, yeah. the story behind it, be an actual person, not just try yeah. to give the glamour of an artist. Yeah. Layers. Because mm-hmm. the more the more authentic you are as an artist, the more people can relate to that and the more people will see you as a person. Yeah. And this stems from a, like, for everyone out there and everyone here, like, this stems from a really authentic conversation him and I had. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, yo, think about it. If you're just creating music, like, everyone can do that and press upload. Yep. But think about it. Everyone in this room and everyone listening, you've been watching and reading and being, you know, living with stories since you were a child. Yeah. Everything in the world is storytelling. Yeah. So the fact that you can sit here, I could go, we could all go to the studio tonight, Mm -hmm. record a song, and then record a session to talk about how that song came about. Yeah. And position it and sell it, and people would eat it up because it'd be like, oh, that's that's actually dope. Y'all were talking on a podcast. And then 
you talked about making a song and then all of a sudden we did it and we did this, this and that and it can all be pieces of content that makes people more inside like they felt like they were inside the room in the experience with us and now they're buying into us even if we only limited it to just this is a streamed piece of thing. Now I'm against that. It's more or less like, well, no, if you want it, you can buy it somewhere. Yeah. You know what I mean? Even if it's for a short period of time, try to sell some and just see what happens. And and the funny part about that is La Russell's big on that too, because yep. he he you sent me actually this the article where he put out a project, an album, and he he told his community because oh, he yeah. built up his community. He said, "You pay what you want." Yep. Normally, an album would be like ten bucks, twelve bucks, whatever. There was people paying twenty. There was people paying fifty. Yep. And wow. it was just based off of him building that community, people seeing him putting in the work, that consistency. Yep. People respected his art so much. They're like, you know what? I want to see you succeed. Yeah. And that's what a lot of these artists lack. And this is going to be the perfect transition exactly. because it's only going to get worse because now um, AI is in the mix. Oh, AI. Yep. So, and this and we're is- not talking Allen Iverson. Yeah. So, <laughs> so we've seen a lot of a lot of tracks oh, come man. out. We seen AI Bad Bunny. We seen AI <laughs> Drake. Yeah. Well, AI Bad Bunny's lit. How about AI Kanye? Have you heard that one? Oh, I, 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 I have. So. But this is the thing, right? So in a world now where like the the creatives are competing with AI, and this is crazy because I remember you specifically, Tug. You wrote an article about this years ago, yep. where you were like, "Will this replace the artist?" And you you were ahead of your time with that. Thank you. Now, wow, Tuck ahead of the time. Yeah. You know what I'm becoming to realize? Tuck is the plug. <laughs> yeah. He's the plug to all the industry stuff. He's the <laughs> So I gotta keep tucking the tuck. Yep. <laughs> he has a newsletter. Right. Oh, right. Facts. So I want to hear it from from the from the legal side and the business side and your perspective, right? How do you think AI is gonna change the game if it if it didn't already? Um, and then from your side on on the creative um aspect of it, how is AI gonna change it for you? Quick tour. Um, in the publishing world, um, there there have been quite a few lawsuits uh, brought by the Authors Guild and various authors, I mean majors, right, uh, against OpenAI, which is the mm. parent company that has the product ChatGPT. Yeah. Mm. Now, how ChatGPT was trained is the coders or whoever the evil minions are that run that thing <laughs> took all these books scanned them and the 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 large language model which is what it's called mm-hmm. learns how to write in the style of John Grisham or learn or or whomever doesn't matter who it is those lawsuits uh were basically have been filed in the last 6 months in various federal courts some in California some in New York and it's too early to tell but basically the theory of the case is you know you know, uh, pick a book, anything, fiction. Somebody Harry Potter. Had... All right. So, yeah. So the first Harry Potter book, that's a copyrighted mm. property. You cannot copy it. You, you can't copy it. I can't go to a library and photocopy that thing. That's technically a violation of the Copyright Act, and it triggers all the uh, penalty provisions. Right. So, wait a second. Yeah. Could I do the hood Harry Potter? <laughs> <laughs> so. Hood Harry. So. Harry Potter. So you're. <laughs> I'm good for you. You know how I get down. I have a whole. I'm not gonna. All right. It. So. Uh, all right, I'll stay on track. I promise. All right. So to your question, could there be a hood Harry Potter? Maybe. Maybe. 
Yes, but, sir. But, well, hold on. So there's this thing called fair use. Yep. All right. Now, fair use is written into the U.S. Copyright Act. Now, what fair use is, is a limited set of circumstances under which you can use protected material for education, mm. satire, <laughs> um, and, a, and, a, and a few others. It's, a, it's like a really deep rabbit hole. But the problem is if you are, if you're satirizing something and you're, you're, you're commercializing that, that's mm. the problem. Mm. Mm. So if you want to, if you want to do a, a parody of any film or any um, character and you put that on YouTube and it's free, that's and you're okay. not monetizing it, you're probably okay. Okay. But you can't, the, one of the other fair use uh, issues is how much of the protected material are you using? Mm-hmm. If it's a two hour film, I can't shoot a shot for shot parody of yeah. that makes the sense. first Harry Potter film yep. and then upload the whole thing and expect to not get in huge trouble. Right. But yeah. if there was like one scene, like that's how all these skit, you know, yeah. uh, like Saturday Night Live and stuff. Yeah, that's like, all these sketch. They live in shows. color. Let's go. Yeah. So that's so that's how they get away with with doing that. If yeah. it's if it's one element out of Harry Potter, and it's a two minute sketch. Yeah. Probably fair use. Okay. Yeah, so if I take Harry Hood, Harry Potter to Southside Queens, we good. No. Because that don't exist in Harry Potter. You just though. can't put an ad behind it. Right. I, w- I wouldn't. Well, everything <laughs> is very facts. And power can't sponsor. Everything it. is very fact specific no, in this business. In this part of the we'll legal st- world, which we'll, is part we'll of the problem. We'll, it's, we'll start a whole another LLC just for the skits. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. big facts. Sue okay. that one and not yeah, this yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> that one has no assets. Yep. Yeah, right. It's, it's just creative. <laughs> We're just hijacking skits. Yeah. Yeah. Hijacking Harry Potter coming soon. You know what's crazy? I'm not supposed to be drinking soda. Like I, I quit it for like a month, and this is all. I was just like, "Fuck it." <laughs> Yo. So, so back to the AI thing. <laughs> back to the AI thing, real quick. So that's just in the publishing world. Um, in the music world right now, things are really starting to break loose with these, uh, these AI models of of voices. Mm. Yeah. So, so I can sing into a microphone, and if I have the Johnny Cash plug in. Yeah, mm-hmm. on Pro Tools, I start sounding a lot like Johnny Cash. Yeah. Now, the, now the one thing that just happened, that's totally on point with all this, is that horrendously unfunny AI George Carlin, yo YouTube thing. Did you see that? Mm-mm. I haven't yet. Okay, so this this broke probably about a couple of weeks ago. So, I think I don't want to say what I think. I'll just tell you what I know about it. Somebody, I'm not going to name names, um, took, they wrote an hour-long comedy special in what they thought was the style of George Carlin. Primarily, I guess, from a a construction of the jokes and how the stories are. Mm -hmm. And then they delivered that material using a George Carlin AI. Voice model. It kind of sounds like him, but yeah. it's not funny. It's it. <laughs> it you can see it. It's like the fourth cousin once removed of George Carlin. Like it, you can <laughs> uh, see the resemblance. It doesn't have yeah. no soul to it. Cor- correct. <laughs> yeah, sounds AI ish. 
Now, yeah. when this happened, the uh, the family of George Carlin was pissed, as they should Imagine. be, because it's really yeah. like walking over somebody's grave, if you ask me. Yeah. Right. Um, he, you know, he was one of the greatest of all time, mm-hmm. and it's over. And, pe- and people need to respect that. People need to get a grip on that idea that you know people are here for a while, then they're gone. Yeah. And let's not, it. we're not going to resurrect, you know, the Rolling Stones in 20 years or 40 years or, you know, whatever. Maybe they will. I don't Tupac know. Tupac is not in Cuba. <laughs> right. right. So, Marley is, though. so, so in any event, the Carlin estate uh, filed suit, I, I believe it's in the Southern District uh, of New York, uh, to uh, filing a copyright infringement case against the uploader. Hmm. Because they trained, it's it, it's the OpenAI situation all over again. They trained, they they trained the Chat GPT on all of George Carlin's records and all of his specials, <clears throat> all of which are protected. So, one of the key takeaways for everybody when you're writing stuff, or when you're taking photographs, or or publishing films, or plays, or whatever, go to copyright.gov. Mm. And register your thing. It's it. Yeah. You don't need me. You do not yeah, need we're... me to, to register a copyright. It's fifty five dollars. If you can buy something on Amazon, you can protect your work. And you could you could do multiple copyrights under one, right? Yep. It, yeah. yeah, it depends. If it, for photographers, you can. I think I want to say now you can protect up to seven hundred and fifty photos as a collection. Mm-hmm. Oh, that nice. number used to be a lot lower, but. Yeah. Come see me. Come ask me. Hit me up on social. I'll point you in the right direction. Yes. Hit up. And I'll be the first one to tell people when uh, when they don't need me. Right? That's you right. know, like copyright is, registering a copyright is fairly easy, I think. Um, yeah. Trademark's another thing. Entirely. Yeah. yeah, that's a whole different animal. <laughs> yep. So, bringing it back to now Padilla on the creative side of things. Of AI? Yeah. I mean, I know, bro, uh, I know you heard of AI Bad Bunny. I, uh, yeah, there, I've, I've listened to all of them. There was actually an artist. I can't, I can't tell you the I name. I haven't heard of. SpongeBob. So <laughs> I, heard, I heard this artist. He actually went viral on TikTok because he did, he did an AI Bad Bunny impression. And he did like if he was a collab with Bad Bunny. Mm. And it went viral. And yeah, the song yeah. was actually really good. Fire, yeah. But <clears throat> Bad Bunny actually heard it. And he got he got pissed because he was like yeah. he basically yeah, said if you guys if you guys are really uh, big fans of me or true fans of me don't you, stream ga- that you guys would not stream that shit. I, I like Bad Bunny. I, I felt that shit. you know what I mean. AI yeah. AI is scary. I feel like AI is scary, and we're just in the beginning phases of AI. Yeah. You know what I mean. Um, I feel like as for a creative perspective, creatives when it comes to you know like making album covers and cover arts and stuff like that. The past three have been AI for mine. You know what I mean, and I I'm ashamed to admit that a little bit, but like, it's free. <laughs> you know what I mean, and it's like you can create, you can do so many things. You can make it your own. You could say literally, you could just type in something, and oh, he's about to say something. Well, no, I'm G- about to get sued. No, 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 protect oh yeah mm. of course you know that right i mean i didn't know that but so so if so if, if if the copyright office thinks mm-hmm. that that 
artificial intelligence was used in the creation of a work that you have tried to protect. Oh, wow. They will revoke your registration. So who owns the AI stuff then? Nobody? So it's because it, uh, open AI owns all that. Oh, open AI, yeah, oh, wow. pretty much. And there's wow. other companies okay. too, but yeah. Wow, that's crazy. And the, and the other thing that I, I saw in, that was coming up as a problem because when AI first came out, mm-hmm. there was people that were making children books. Yeah. And, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, the way God. of making children books so, from, and from all these Amazon. images, but Annoying. those images were basically like cut and paste all together from different children's books. Yep. Yeah. Um, so that's mm, where, and, that, and so AI uses that as a and yeah, mis- yeah, it only feeds off of a reference point. It's yeah. wow, okay, yeah, no, that's feeding from all these different references. And you know, you can, can kind of compare that to the human mind, but you can't take my soul. So yeah, you know, I could write a song and be like, you know what? Yeah, my top five influences are Jay Z, Pac, mm-hmm. Nas, Kanye, mm-hmm. Nipsey, and I could do something epic, right? But Depending on how I construct that, you may you may or may not know who my influences are. You yeah, know what I'm saying? so like mm-hmm. we're all influenced by something, yeah. but like with AI, it's, I honestly it's, it's going to be really, a problem. It's not really trained in in diversity. To yeah. be honest, yeah. no, you know, you're right. Things that it's based on who's actually feeding it, and so yeah. the tech space has been divisive for such divisive for such a long time. But while these things are t- taking shape, like Tuck's saying, you're seeing these different rules and laws are being kind of being mm. created in real time, it's going to be interesting to kind of, you know, watch how these things play out because eventually That's it's right. not always going to be that way. But I always feel like, I don't know, maybe it's cocky arrogance, but I'm like, there ain't no AI that could jack my soul. Like, No, of course. AI don't got a soul. But what, what I feel like, I feel like it's going to get to that point that AI may become conscious and we are going to be fucked. <laughs> basically that, I don't know I mean I, I see a lot of conspiracies about it and I hear a lot of things about it like people that worked for Google that set, that made the AI literally oh, yeah. got fired because they were about to expose some shit about it becoming conscious or whatever but yeah. mm. I'll bar AI up that's yeah. all I'm saying. Yo, they're not, not ready for the AI. I'll be like, shut yeah. down. Yeah. <laughs> I'll yeah, just I turn off my fucking computer. Yeah. Bitch, what are you gonna do now? <laughs> I will bar AI straight up. But yeah, I feel like AI overall is going to I don't know as a as an artist artist perspective. I feel like art wise, definitely gonna definitely gonna take some jobs. You know what I mean? It made it made certain things easy, but then on on the business side of things, like Tuck yeah. said, like I didn't even know about that. Like you yeah. couldn't even copyright the cover, so that's yeah, gonna yeah, be something, yeah. something very interesting because a lot of artists mm. are thinking, okay, I can make merch out of this. Well, yeah, can you, you can. copyright yeah. it? You know, right. that's yeah. true. So that it's been a very interesting discussion. The what since we're coming towards the end of the show here. Um, we first want to ask you guys if you guys have any projects, uh, Padilla, that you would like to promote. Um, Tuck, if you have any yeah. um, any any books that you have currently out that you would like to let everyone know. So, Padilla, do you have any uh, current projects? I know you just recently released mm-hmm. one. Yeah, I just recently released a, a single called Pretend, which is available on Apple Music, Spotify, all the and Deezer, <laughs> all the um, <laughs> all the platforms, streaming platforms. Um, I j- I recently last year released a EP called Sanity. Um, this month I'm, I'm working on a, like a three or four song EP, um, kind of some sad shit, you know, being lonely on Valentine's month and stuff like that. So it'll definitely be like a little vibe. You feel me? But I'm definitely releasing something this month. So. Yes, sir. Pretend is actually a diss track towards AI. You should listen to it. Yep, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Brian, do you have any, any, any books that you would like to promote currently? Uh, why? Yes, I do. No, uh, <laughs> so I wrote a I wrote a short. Uh, it's 120 pages, and if if I had more time to work on it, it would have been shorter. Because mm. uh, mm. everybody's busy as all get out. So, 
This is uh, it's called Risk Create Change, a survival guide for startups and creators, and mm. it's you can read it in any chapter order you want. Oh, okay. there I like is that. there's ten pages on copyright. There's um, a little bit about the art of persuasion, mm. right? how to how to frame issues. Uh, there is a chapter about uh, choosing an entity. Right? Are you going to be an LLC? Are you going to be a corporation? Um, what your board of advisors should look like, who are the hey. people around you. Mm. And uh, it's available on Amazon. And uh, nice. I think it's a good starting point if you're just, you know, if you're just getting started or haven't been at it that long, yeah. check it out. It's like uh, 15 bucks or whatever it is. And, and I think it'll, it will make you think of things you did not, we're not aware of. Very nice. Yeah. We'll make sure we'll add. put that in the description because it is things that mm. people she should learn and know. Because again, like education is one of the largest commodities we have. Yep. You know, we're yeah, so you, you, we have the privilege to hear from people that have more knowledge than us in a lot of different fields. So it's like take advantage of it, and then you put out a book very reasonably, like you know, two two uh. Large cups of Starbucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I ain't going nowhere. One of the, <laughs> it's not giving you knowledge. One other thing that me and Nice always talk about is the fact that people, uh, like, people usually would say, like, you know, I feel like we live in an era where there's a lot of information. So I'll, that's the reason why a lot of artists don't feel like where to start. Yep. Because you don't know what's what's yeah. the real valuable um, information. Right. And that's the whole point of this podcast is bringing you valuable information, bringing you resources that you might have never thought of before. Facts. And we hope we you got the best out of this episode. So it, are there any last comments that you guys would like to say to our viewers, um, especially if you met yourself in an elevator like 10 years ago? What would you tell yourself, Jonathan? I met myself in an elevator. Don't you sign know. that contract. Just- <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Don't sign that fucking contract, you dumbass. You doing grow a beard? But, um, yeah, grow a beard. <laughs> go bald. They say I'm petty. Love yourself, right? About yeah. the Dallas, I don't want to hear it. El Princeton. <laughs> they know about Princeton. that. Right, right. But um, but basically, what I would say is, you know, be humble, remain humble, always stay humble. Um, you know, you what you put out is what you receive. Mm. Um, just love yourself, love others, because you never know what someone's going through. Big facts. Yep. Yep. And how about you, Tuck? Jeez. Uh, what I wish I knew when I was younger is I should have started my own business sooner. Right? I didn't start my solo practice till I was 40. Um, if I had, if I'd started it earlier, I think I would have been happier Yeah. in those years. So that's inspiring though, because it. start early. I feel like I'm getting old now and I'm not doing enough, but like people, like even like celebrities have made it when they were older, like, right. like, uh, yeah, it's actually more common. Yeah. yeah. I taught a class to, um, <clears throat> I forgot the term they used for, but I'll say like, like more seasoned entrepreneurs where mm. people were in their like forties and fifties and were starting side hustles. Mm-hmm. So here I am, I'm like 28 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I wasn't informed of what my audience was going to be for my part of the presentation. And I got there and I'm like, dang, yeah, they might not care about what I have to say. Right. So, what I did do was change my presentation while I was waiting to make it more relevant to that crowd. And I yeah. connected with a lot of people. And gotcha. I thought it was amazing that after I presented, a lot of them came and spoke to me and they mm. were just so inspired. And I was like, no, you guys actually inspired me because, you know, here you here you all are in certain aspects of your careers, but you're still taking an interest in learning and looking to start a business 
in your 40s, in your 50s. Some of them, a couple of people I met there were in their 60s. Yeah. And I thought that was just amazing. Like, so it's just so, so much proof. So I feel like what Tuck is saying is like, he wishes he would have done it sooner, right? Yep. So for anybody out there, no matter what your age is, just press the start button. Right. What are you waiting for? That's it. <laughs> what are you waiting for? There you go. Literally. Sir. What you waiting for? Press that subscribe button. Let's we, go. Like, here, you go. here he goes again. Empower. <laughs> <laughs> yo, make yo. sure y'all pick up that book. Risk, create, change. You know what I'm saying survival guide. Yes, sir. Startups and creators. Yo, Padilla, mm. can you sing subscribe for me real quick for yeah. the crowd? Subscribe for me. You heard it here first. That's Empower Six One Zero. <laughs>